Welcome, I'm Mark Beal, a past life regression therapist and trainer. If you're interested in having sessions or certification training, go to pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Welcome, Bob. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So this is Barb Angelo. I'll give you a bit of an introduction. She's a board certified hypnotist and past life regression specialist and a certified instructor in those modalities in New Jersey. She experienced a spiritual awakening that set her on a path as an intuitive healer also. So she combines hypnosis with channeling and clairvoyance to help others connect with their own higher wisdom and spiritual beings. You can find her sessions at barbangelo.com and her training at barbangelohypnosis.com. Go to her YouTube channel, Barb Angelo, that includes past life stories. So uh, anything you'd add to that introduction? Short and sweet. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I could, of course, go on and on and on, but then well, we, we, we all will. can, right? Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll go. So today we'll go on and on about uh, your story about entering the hypnosis profession and the phases you went through, uh, the spiritual awakening that affected you, and then your past life regression spirit, uh, specialization. So we can hear about your work practicing and teaching hypnotherapy and past lives, your past lives uh, stories from yourself and clients, about your channeling and your spiritual awakening, and about the discoveries you've had in the realm of spirit releasement therapy. So a lot to look forward to over the coming time. So I thought we could start with uh, some context about and we all have to awaken from something and we're all born into a cultural context. So uh, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, suburban, typical kind of suburban town. Grew up Catholic. So um, I, I always had a lot of questions and I never really asked them, but I used to question things even in church. And even as a young child, I knew there was something more. I love the idea of Jesus, of Christ, of all of those things. But then I had a lot of other questions. And I have to say, one of my anxieties was thinking that this was it. When I died, it was over. And even as a six-year-old, I would lie in bed thinking about these big philosophical questions, you know, what happens when we die? And uh, I always felt a little bit different than other kids, but I didn't express it or talk about it. I just, it was always in here. Right. So how was your culture and your family or town towards healing or spirituality? There's the Christian church, but uh, besides that, in, in terms of the holistic healing you've gotten into now? Oh, it was non-existent. So I'm 61 years old and all I remember, and I was fascinated with like the local psychic. We would have a psychic fair when I was a teenager. And I remember going and wanting someone to tell me my future and all the good things that were going to happen to me. But other than that, I there really wasn't much of, of anything. And it wasn't until I was in my probably early 30s um, that I started hearing about things or, or knowing that there was a community. Um, and that was thrilling because, again, I wasn't sure what I was looking for, but I was looking, okay. seeking something. Going into your early 30s, did you have another career before being a professional hypnotherapist? I worked in the restaurant business uh, for years. That brought me to my job at NFL Films, where I met my now husband. That was 25 years ago. Okay. So I was head of the in-house catering department. I love food, love working with food. I, I like the hospitality end of it, talking to people and interacting. And they would have, uh, when I say celebrities, people coming in to um, edit or shoot things. Uh, NFL Films is an amazing 
um, business. And if you know football, you know NFL films. And I did a lot of sales. I did a lot of outside sales, which was okay. Okay. And so what kind of transferable skills did you find uh, came across? You know what it is? I feel like I have my clients are Today, actually, this afternoon, I have a professional athlete coming in. I work with attorneys. I work with uh, ER doctors. I work with um, house husbands and housewives. I work with kids. I feel like I can relate to almost every single person that comes in because I've done so many different things and I've worked with people and all kinds of people over the years. Yeah. So I think that has really helped me being being able to really have a conversation with just about anybody. And also, I've always been interested in therapy and I find it fascinating to get to know people and ask them questions about themselves. Yeah, that's a pattern I noticed coming up. I think it's really helpful. A lot of people might think, oh, if I want to do the things that Bob's doing, I should have had a psychology degree and been into it in my 20s. Whereas I find a lot of people who get to where Bob is uh, have had a previous path and the professionalism and the transferable skills is really helpful. And I don't know, you're a teacher as well, so we have that in common. Do you find what I found lately in my classes, they're older and they may be in corporate America or doing something like that, and they're looking for a change. Or they're also looking at it as when I transition, say I retire or take the the buyout from the company, that they're saying, now I want to do what I really want to do. And this fascinates me and I want to help people this way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, In fact, there's very few people in their 20s, and it's mainly 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I I trained a 70-year-old this year. And yeah, so even people that are retiring, but certainly uh, mid-career changes. But yeah, and I think that's useful, uh, the kind of life experience. So actually, let's back up a little bit. You had those experiences with the church, feeling uh, there's something a little bit more. But did you also have experiences with uh, inner intuition uh, as a child? Oh, I did. And even then, I wasn't sure what it was. But um, things that I would, I remember becoming um, stronger when I was in my teens. And uh, I remember saying things like predictions. This is going to happen. I knew my father was going to have a heart attack. And so when he did about four years later, I knew exactly, I said, here it is, here it's coming. So I was prepared for it. I remember stating to my friends um, that I wasn't going to get married until I was older and I was going to marry a man who was divorced with a child. And when I was 35 years old, that's what happened. I did not get married until I was 35. I think I always felt like I'm waiting for him, not consciously, but subconsciously. And uh, and I dated different men. And I remember thinking, no, just be patient, be patient, be patient. So I had those things. And I remember just thinking, it's isn't that normal? Doesn't everybody do that? And sometimes my friends would look and go, whoa, like, why are you saying that? And I would just say, because it's, I know that. But I always assumed, and now even now, I think most people don't even trust their intuition. They don't think they have it. It's there. They don't let it come out. <laughs> they don't let it kind of guide them. They look yeah. at it as a separate thing or a weird thing that they, or they dismiss it constantly. Yeah, that's another archetype. I think, you know, it's useful to have uh, experience in other professions, uh, but and that, that's not a disqualifier. But I think people still remember and notice, oh, you know what? I actually did have some sort of connection to to healing, to spiritual awakening, to my sub or super conscious mind, but I sort of tucked it away. And as I got into the world and had to take care of business, so there's that part where we have our feet on the ground. 
and we put away that part that re has a head in the clouds. But I think yeah. to be able to retrieve that and then have both of those becomes really useful. And then the tucking away process is quite interesting as well, because it can almost be a kind of a dark night of the soul. In order for us to make a change, to go onto the healing path, there has to be some sort of dissonance with what we're doing. So did yeah. you experience that kind of thing? Oh, yes, I did. I. It's funny, as you're saying it now, I'm remembering in my 20s being, and I don't want to say depressed, it was anguish, I think. I knew I was supposed to be doing something else. And my friends had, uh, to me, boring careers, you know, go to the office, you do your thing on Friday, you have happy hour, you live for the weekend. Yep. And it took a while for me to really discover what it was. But I used to feel that all the time. And it was it was like something raging inside of I me, mean, not raging, but there was there was two parts to me saying there's something there and the other part saying, I don't know even how to look for it. So when I did have my spiritual awakening, which was after I learned hypnosis, I remember in this state that I was having, and it was a very mystical occurrence, the first thing I thought in my head was, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this all my life. And I was, but looking back now, talking about like people in their 20s, in my 20s, if that happened, it wasn't the right time. Yeah. Um, it was being patient and knowing it's there and then kind of waiting. <laughs> let's let's back it up a bit. I want to come back to the spiritual awakening. There's a real illumination that happens. But I think what's also interesting is before that, there is a dark night of the soul, a bit of anguish, mm -hmm. a bit of you know, things aren't right. Or I think it's useful to, to have a, a proceeding career but it's useful to really get out of it. And if people sort of get stuck in it or resigned to it and never, so an and awakening is also something that can be uh, ongoing and, and have various stages. So even uh, the awakening in order to uh, to go into hypnotherapy, what was it that, that led you to that? How did you, how did you even deal with some of the things that you're going through the dissonance at earlier times? Did you do any other kind of therapies? Did you do uh, reading? Yes, I, I did talk therapy. I found a great therapist um, and he really helped me. Uh, I, of course, you know, in your 20s and early 30s or whatever stages, it was always being very self-critical. I should be this. I should do this. And he said, why? Just be yourself. You're doing fine. That was that was a big thing for me because I compared myself to other people. They're, what they were doing with their lives and I knew it wasn't for me. So he really helped me with that. When I have clients come to me now that maybe have pretty large issues, I always ask, have you been in therapy or are you in therapy now? Talk therapy, yep. because that's a great stepping off point. It's when you get to, you're, you're through the talk therapy and you go, there's still something else there that that's where we come in, <laughs> yeah. the hypnotherapy, the past life regression. And it was Brian Wise's book. So that was in the 90s. I found that. I don't even know how I found it. Uh, there was no real internet at that point. And I remember reading it. And as a Catholic, feeling kind of my questions were not being answered. I knew what reincarnation was. But until I read the book, I remember the hairs on my arms standing up and going, oh, my God, this is it. This is this makes sense to me. So that kind of got the ball rolling for um, hip, learning hypnosis. What you know the stages. First, you have to learn hypnosis. Then I went in and did more training. Always wanted to do past life regression work, though. So that was my my goal to get to that point. So is reading Brian Weiss's book, Many Lives, Many Masters, was that what actually got you into doing hip, uh, hypnosis in the first place yes. as well? Yes. 
um, because uh, he mentioned, of course, that the, the bridge to all of this is hypnosis. I think a couple years later, I was at, I actually had injured myself and was on short term. I used to think the universe outworks. My, yeah. my foot, I had two fractures. I was an outside salesperson. I couldn't drive for eight weeks, I think. And I started a hypnosis training. I found it and was able to take this hypnosis training. And uh, that uh, I did it again, thinking, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this, but I know I need to start here. And that's how I started. So that's an awakening experience in itself, reading that mm -hmm. book. And so you got your uh, hypnosis training and started practicing. Uh, how long was it before you got into doing past life regressions? Well, this is interesting because as I was in training, so, you know, part of the training is doing self-hypnosis and I bought, um, you know, the CDs. I still listen to those lovely, I like the kind of celestial soaring music. That's what really opens up my crown chakra. And I remember it was during the day and um, I sat down, closed my eyes and thought, okay, I'm going to go into a meditative hypnotic state and... I had past life regressions. So I had um, spontaneous, they're called spontaneous regressions. Yep. And it be, previously I had tried with another hypnotist, I had tried through uh, tapes and CDs to experience it. It never happened. So I put it aside and that's when it happened. So I tell people now, it's like a feather. If you keep trying to chase it and catch it, it's going to be elusive when you relax and just allow it or when you least expect it is when it comes. When you try too hard, it may not be there for you. Yeah, we've got so many similarities. I started my uh, hypnotherapy training. Uh, we both started hypnotherapy training 0607. We both started teaching mm -hmm. 012, 013. And I also <laughs> had my first past life experience while I was training hypnosis in class. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I remember being like an Indian uh, nobleman-ish, comfortable enough to not have to work if you didn't feel like it. So I was like, oh, I'll do some spirit. And a spiritual teacher came by. I was like, oh, I'll do it later. I've got plenty of time. And then I rem and then I remembered 15 years later, I never got around to it. And I was regretful. Wow. So I was like, I got to, I, I could kick back and take things a bit easier. I've got a fortunate birth, but I've got to do the work. Isn't that interesting? And it's so interesting when um, you relay that to people who've never had an experience and you say, I just knew all of those things. I didn't see it. Nobody told me I knew that you're, you're feeling the feelings of that person. Mine, when it opened yeah. up, I was a uh, dark skinned little girl. I had, there was a boy with me. I knew it was my brother in this life. And the word Pakistan came across my viewing screen right. and my logical mind said, yeah, but it wasn't Pakistan back then. So right. I, I knew, it, but I knew that that was my subconscious saying, this is the part of the world that you're in. And it was very brief. There was not a lot of visual, but the next moment, my brother was lying on the ground. We were outside. It was an open air, like a market and a, um, a stone, uh, like a little, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a, a thing you would walk through, Yeah, had collapsed. It was an accident and he was crushed by it. And I just remember seeing his body and what I thought was my mother is never going to forgive me. And before that, when I saw this little boy who I knew was my brother, the saying, I watch over you, you watch over me, I kept hearing in my, in my head. And I knew that's what we would say to each other, that we were supposed to look out for each other. And that was the end of it. And then I went into another one and then another one. And then I pulled myself out of it and said, what the heck? But I knew, again, the logical mind was saying, oh my gosh, I'm having a past life regression. This is what it is. I knew exactly what it was. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, in my case, I was also Pakistan is North India uh, or <laughs> Hindustan back in the day. And uh, when I had my regression, I was actually in North India at the California <laughs> Hypnosis Institute of India. So I was in New Delhi, but oh, I was also, wow. I'd also only been in India. Actually, I'd spent a year or two there before, but I was like, why is a New Zealander in love with and feels at home with India? And, I, and so I went back to an Indian past life. I was like, of course. Yeah. Of course. And here's the funny thing, Mark. I have no desire to go to India. Yeah. I don't. I And I don't. It's not um, a negative feeling or a positive. It's just, I guess, maybe, oh, I've done that. Sure. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I have a lot of Indian clients, a lot of Hindu clients. Yeah. And again, I feel like it, when you understand who you've been, you can relate to a lot more people, too. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is one of those indicators that, uh, you know, uh, if who was I in a past life? You can look at uh, what you're attracted to, what you're doing in this life. And the, the, exactly. a, lot, a lot of clues are there. So, so, so yeah. And so, well, actually another reason why I was in India, because for me, I was brought up Australia, New Zealand, also in London, Europe, but not in America. And so the, the thing for you is if you're in New Jersey having these experiences, you're close to uh, great teachers and uh, like Brian Weiss, Dick Stupton. And so you don't need to go to India if you've got, uh, you know, teachers right there. So tell us a little bit about uh, how that training progressed. So I had, uh, I'm, I belong to several hypnosis organizations. I was trained with the NGH, the National Guild of Hypnotists, and I would go to their conference every year for more training. That's where I started my past life regression training with David Quigley. So I had taken somatic healing, advanced past life regression, past life regression. I was already doing past life regressions when the opportunity came up to study with Brian Wise at Omega in New York and Rhinebeck. And I have to say, it was such a wonderful experience just to watch him and meet him. You wouldn't know it because he seems very, um, I mean, he's a very calm, gentle person, funny as anything. Um, he sat up there and people were literally doubled over laughing. He was sharing stories and talking about things. I know he's well into his eighties now and during COVID that was probably his last training booked and they had to cancel it. I don't know if he is going to train anymore, but he did say to the class, I think this is so important that that my goal is to train as many past life therapists as I can, because it's that important for people. But I always remember when you were talking, uh, just talking about, you know, who we've been and how we can relate. And he said, I always tell people, if you have a culture or a race that you do not like or you hate, you better watch out because you'll come back as someone like that to experience it. And a guy yelled out, I hate rich people. And everybody, of course, had a good laugh over that. That's pretty good. So I still tell that story. I love it. That's how funny he was. Um, but it, it is funny because here I am. I, you know, when people ask you, well, um, what's your background? Who are you? Well, I'm I'm Welsh. I'm Irish. I'm this. And I don't say I'm also Hindu. I'm I'm, you know, all those other different lifetimes I've had. So when people claim just one kind of nationality or one culture, one race, I, I laugh because you probably are a lot of different things in the past. Yeah, oh, that's great. So so a progression. So you meet uh, a master in a book, you get to meet him in real life. That's pretty mm -hmm. uh, fortunate. Yes. Uh, you go on to do a lot of sessions. Uh, and so that's actually another thing. A lot of people may think, well, you know, where's my magical illuminating experience? And you had, you put in the work at, before uh, the, 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 the really light part kicks in, but there are on, ongoing little, uh, little awakenings. 
uh, that come along. And I find also that really the the practice, uh, you know, giving sessions before becoming a teacher or some of these experiences, just giving those sessions in itself is a form of uh, spiritual practice and enlightening. So did you find the same yeah. thing in your first few years as a, as a full-time uh, hip, hypnotherapist and past life therapist? Yes, you really do. And when I train my classes, I'll say, you're not going to be experienced in everything, of course, but then that's how you gain your experience and gain knowledge because there's always going to be that one that comes up and you go, uh-oh, I've never seen this before. What do I do? And I'll tell them, just keep asking questions. Even if you keep saying, now what's happening, now what's happening. So once in a while, you do get an unusual, uh, someone who's nothing but a um, a star, uh, a being of light, zooming around the galaxy. Um, so when people, when they come in and they say to me, have you ever met someone that wasn't from here? I'll say, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it usually turns out that they have that experience, not just being in a human body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the more that you do it, and, and again, people, you sometimes people now, especially want things fast and they want to master something fast. You, it takes a lot of years of, of really just doing the work yeah. and that's how you put it in. And that's how you learn. And I sometimes will say, I feel bad sometimes charging money because I get such an experience from it. Yeah. I learn so much from it. Yeah, I think uh, it's like doing the work, doing all the prerequisites, but also not getting stuck in one part of work. And so a lot of people really love learning and they do, but they spend their entire time taking courses, you know, or, or you can read books about doing it and you love reading about doing it. But I'd say, you know, put the book down and, and read and like you yes. do have to do the meditation. So, I, you know, I, I was a really uh, read a lot and uh, then I'd meditate a lot and I'd do long retreats. And one of the messages I got at the end was, you know, in order to further your meditation practice, you're going to have to stop meditating or, or, or you're going to have <laughs> Get to, out to the world. You're going to have to meditate and, and do sessions with, with not just connecting with your super conscious, but with the super conscious of other people. And I've, I found that really uh, was a next step and a really enlightening, helpful part of my own spiritual journey, which is assisting other people uh, with theirs. And, and, you know, as you say, just the, and just having those early experiences in the first few years of going, I cannot believe two people could share such beautiful, powerful, super conscious, connected experiences. And being able to guide people through that and be part of it is such a privilege and such a joy that, yes. you know, it's such a payoff and such a, and, 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 you know, even, and as you say, like selfishly, you know, how great to be able to be part of it. Uh, and yeah, so that's, that's an excellent thing for people that are thinking about, doing this kind of training maybe i'm not enlightened yet so i don't know if i can do it well you know you you get a you get it along the steps and and just uh just, just putting one foot in front of the other uh and, and doing a varieties of practice and so that's even one thing i find is you know how do i get better and better at past life regression and it's not necessarily reading another 50 books on past life regression i find it's pretty helpful to study the wisdom traditions of the world and do practices like meditation so would you have you had the same experience or Oh, exactly. And I am one of those people. Um, I'm a woman who doesn't buy shoes. I buy books. Yeah. So I'm always, especially if I listen to a podcast and somebody has a book, I'll say, I'm going to order that book. Even if it's not a hundred percent what I'm going to do or interested in, if I get a couple of things that I can work into my practice, but I have met people too, who they want to master it before they even go out and do it. Yes. <laughs> it's not possible, especially with this. Yep. 
Yeah, you're never like, going to be 100% prepared. You really aren't. But you've done the work. So I, I'll say to people, I have, I know my scripts. We all know the inductions. We know our tech techniques. I have a general script that I could say in my sleep. Um, but then I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. And that's when you're really listening and you're asking a lot of questions and you're going wherever they take you. You're on. You're in for the ride with them. You're not, you know, pulling them on the ride. You're kind of guiding them somewhere, and then saying, "Here you go. Now tell me what's going on." And that—that's the exciting part <laughs> when you get to that. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's great. So we can come back to this illuminating ex experience that you had. So tell us a bit about that. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it because I don't want to go into it too much, and it's a very let's just say it's unusual. So yeah. here's me after I had this experience, I Googled <laughs> to yeah. see if anybody had had the same experience, nothing. For a few years, actually, I questioned and asked people and they would look at me and say, what? Uh, I had been a hypnotist for a few years. I had been doing past life regression. Um, uh, all the things we talked about, reading books, workshops, um, all of that. And uh, one night, an ordinary night in the summer, I was at a neighbor's house and with another neighbor and it's, you know, we're just chatting and talking, having a cosmopolitan one of those sun, uh, you know, summer nights. And all of a sudden I thought, you know what, I want to, I'm done. I want to go home. And they looked at me and I said, I just feel like I just want to go home. And it was early. I walked across the street and I sat down and I turned the TV on and the screen went red. It literally, and I looked, I thought, what the heck's wrong with the TV? So I went into my bedroom, did the same thing. I had been learning Reiki and there are symbols that you need to memorize. So as I'm kind of sitting in bed, I decided, let me try to do these symbols with my hands. And after about 10 seconds, my hands started moving by themselves. And I'm watching going, this is interesting. So these symbols that are kind of um, detailed, I'm doing them upside down backwards, but I'm not thinking about it. My husband walks in the room. He said, what are you doing? And I put my hands down. I got up, I was in a trance and walked past him and walked back into the other room. And for the next hour and a half or two hours, I had an experience where I was present, but something else was kind of moving my body. And I was doing a lot of these, it reminds me of Bollywood. So talking about okay. being in India, I still don't know exactly what it was, but that's when I had that, this is, uh, I've been waiting for this my whole life. It felt so freeing and so joyous, and I, I couldn't see anything. But there was, I was having a telepathic kind of conversation with. Still, I don't know. Yeah. I do know, but I wasn't getting. It wasn't like a person walked in the room and was having a conversation with me. And um, I remember in my head, after a while, I was repeating these wonderful kind of sayings over and over again. The as I was saying them, I remember consciously thinking they're going to disappear like wisps of smoke. I'm not going to remember this. And I was trying to hold on to it. So when I channel, that's what happens sometimes. And the only one I remember was all that is light, all that is love, all that is good come to me now. That's the one that stood out. And I remember that and memorized that. And at one point I was talking to someone and I was saying in my mind, I'm not worthy. And the reply, I didn't hear, but I nodded my head and I knew that I was accepting something. I still get very emotional when I talk about it. I knew I was saying, okay, that I was accepting something. Um, and like I said, this went on and then it was over. 
And uh, I came to bed and I shook my husband awake and I started telling him what happened. And he just kind of did this and fell back asleep. And the next morning he woke me up and said, what happened to you last night? And I went, oh, it wasn't a dream. So for the next three days, I did not leave the house. I, I was, when I described being in like in a ball of bliss, it, like my feet weren't even touching the ground. And that lasted for about six months. I could not conjure up a negative judgmental thought, nothing. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I looked at everybody with just immense love and kindness and compassion. And now I know that I had a very highly evolved spirit that merged with me. And that was the time for that to happen. So from that moment on, things really changed. That's fantastic. Did you research mudras? Uh, speaking about Bollywood and Indian stuff, no. mudras are, are hand gestures. <laughs> that are actually part of yoga and they were said to have been channeled and they are things that, you know, people will do asana where they put their body in certain positions and they'll do mudras where they put their hands in a, a sequence of positions. I and think I, I just remember, and it was the synchronized kind of beautiful flowing movements. Okay. And, um, and I was watching myself in just awe. And this is what happens when you, and it's not about something possessing you or you're not yourself. It is, allowing something where you're um you're being guided but you're still there and you're very present and yeah. of course what i tell people now with spirit guides and different things how you can tell is the feeling love overwhelming love just wonderful peace joy and all of those things that you know it's just an incredible experience sure well this comes back to what we what i asked you about the uh reading the wisdom traditions of the world because, you know, uh, and they do say that a lot of the, you know, you know, a lot of books are dictated, channeled, uh, given to us from on high, the Ten Commandments, the Quran. In Hinduism, asana and yoga is something which uh, people go into trance and then discover uh, a lot of the, the asana sequences. So it's something which is coming from, uh, coming through them, rather than they're sitting down and figuring out with their conscious mind. And what I find is by reading those wisdom traditions, you then get tuned to them. Uh, and then you are able to have a mind merge in a way. Uh, but the interesting thing as well, is you just read a little bit of it, then you have those experiences and you go back and read those texts or do those practices. And you're like, oh, and, it, it, and you, you, are, you understand them at, 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 at a deeper level. And it's more like remembering it than, than reading it and learning about it. Uh, and I think that's really useful. Does that make sense? Exactly. And and I, here's me, a, a Catholic girl from Cherry Hill, who's never been exposed to any of that. I had done some yoga yeah. um, that the whole time, I, in my mind, it was, I'm not worthy of this. What is this? Not me. So I would think I'm just me. Who am I? I'm not a spiritual leader. I'm not a great yogi. And, um, and it was very adamant. So since then too, it is, I work with masters. I work with master teachers. I, people have seen mother Mary on my face, uh, and, and Jesus, I, it feels very awkward for me to say that, but I know that you understand, but it's not me. It's the idea that there's people are capable. This is what's possible. So I have to take my ego out of it and say, I'm not the great person. I am here, though, as a conduit, so I can accept that I am that conduit. Sure. And part of what we mean by spiritual awakening is awakening to who we are. And, and the big part of that is awakening to what you're not. So, so <laughs> we, can, we can get very bought into the identity of I am this person from New Jersey or New Zealand. 
I have this educational background, I have this job, I have my depression and anxiety, and we really buy into that. And and so that judgmentalness is so, so significant. Because, you know, even that story you had about, you know, I had this bad thing happen to me as I broke my leg or hurt whatever it was. And the, but then the good thing was I then was able to take another step on my spiritual path. So there's that Zen story about, you know, is it good or is it bad? Well, let's see. And nothing good or bad ever really happens. Things just happen or karmic actions. Exactly. Things only happen. Nothing good or bad ever happens. We may yes. think it's so, but that's not quite right. the case. So I love this non-judgmentalness because, you know, that's, you know, the anxiety and depression is us judging ourselves and anger, irritation, frustration, rage is judging other people. And the minute you drop all of that, then what's left over is the blissful part. So why are we clinging on to yes. this thing that's getting in the way of our... And I have to say, it's um, it wasn't a struggle for me, but I and I confided only in a few people, a handful of people. I didn't know many people in the spiritual community at this point, and I had so many questions. And it took me a long time to really accept and understand what had happened. Um, and working with Dick Sutphin, um, who has since he's passed a few years now, um, yeah. I had a, a a training with him out in um, Arizona, and then I had a private session with him. Yeah. And he was so excited because he said, oh, this is going to be so much fun because we're going to ask these questions and you're going to channel the information. So I was able to get the information through my own self and understand. And then that that really, it was one of those kind of, oh, okay. I really do need to accept this now and understand it. Um, and it's still, it doesn't overwhelm me, but I still question. The ego still, my ego still says, why me? I'm nobody. That's how I feel. Um, but I also understand too that knowing who I am, I'm not out there shouting from the rooftops. I am this, I can do this. I, I work with master teachers. We all know there's people, especially with social media, that um, they need that. They want that kind of recognition. And I, I'm kind of happy being quiet where I am. People yeah. find me. <laughs> exactly. I think the universe has ways of allowing people who are who need you to find you without a big social media presence. Exactly. Uh, what I find is that a lot of people who have experiences like that as well, and I think it's really helpful that when someone, you know, it took me a while to figure it out and integrate it, you know, weeks, months, years. But what I find is people listening to Bob's story may think, oh, I had something like that last week and I still don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm crazy or not or, or, what, or what was that or I can't possibly share it because no one else will have experienced this. And, I, and if I had a dollar for every time someone said, you're not going to believe this, this is so weird, you've <laughs> never heard of it, I would have a ton of money. So the good thing is it's not as uncommon as you think. And there are people like me and Bob who are going to know what you're talking about and are going to be able to uh, help you through it. I love when I get emails that the first line is, um, I know this sounds crazy, but yeah. <laughs> there was the ones I go, oh, this is going to yeah. be good. Let me let me listen yeah. and let me, uh, yeah. yeah, it's never crazy. Well, when no, I met Dick Sutphin and I knew I was supposed to work with him in some way. Um, so after this this awakening, a lot of things started happening and it... I get um, messages and songs in my head, which I love, especially yeah. songs that I grew up with. And I was meditating and I heard the song from Tommy, the who saying, go to the mirror boy. And I thought, okay. So I walked down to my mirror in my hallway and I had been trying to see my aura and learn auras. I still can't really see auras, but I do see other things. So I stood there staring at myself. And after a few minutes, my face started to change yeah. and my heart was pounding. And I just said, no, I need to stand here firm and do this. 
And uh, I started that practice every day of looking at myself in the mirror. And I started to see then a full face change, um, seeing face after face, uh, then nothing but just violet, just pure purple light. So that then opened something else up and I started seeing it on other people. So yeah. when we go, even going into a light trance, even in the beginning of a hypnosis session, you know how you're already starting. Yeah. And uh, some people I can see very clearly different faces. Some, they just illuminate and they shift a little bit. But I, I really believe I'm seeing almost just spirit, not, not an aura, physical aura. I'm seeing the real the illumination of that person. Um, yeah. So Dick Sutphin, he actually, when I, I asked him about it, he said, I've never heard of that before. And I thought, oh, really? Okay. Because I was hoping you could help me with this. Yeah. What is this? I, I would actually do that mirror meditation as well. And uh, long, uh, <laughs> and I was in India and I would end up, uh, rather than violet, I'd go blue, which is I was also doing Krishna and Shiva meditation. So a similar thing, <laughs> merging That's color. That's great. This yeah. is so wonderful. I'm meeting a kindred spirit. So tell us then about how that awakening, how you integrated that and how you were then able to use that in the, the intuitive kind of healing that you do now and how you manage it. And so how do you use channeling uh, going forward? It felt, in the beginning, it felt like a separate thing because I remember saying, I'm going to go sit in my chair and channel now. And I would do it for myself. I didn't do it in front of any other people. And I felt like I needed to get comfortable. I looked at some books, um, read a little bit about it. Unfortunately, anything I ever read, it was always kind of sounded um, greetings, earthlings kind of channeling, right. which I don't relate to. Um, mine just these wonderful words of wisdom would come through. And I always felt wonderful afterwards. So then I started opening up to family members and I knew that I could sit with them and talk to them and, and give them counsel. Um, so I, I treated it kind of as a separate thing, but how it's over the years, people don't even know that I'm doing it. So when they're sitting and talking to me, I may mention something and they'll say, oh, how did you know that? Or during hypnosis, I'll say a certain thing or guide them in a way. And they'll say, it's so weird. I saw it in my mind and then you said it. So that's how I may be able to integrate. I no longer think of it as a separate thing that I do. And I don't even do channeled readings. I did them for a brief period of time. I still feel that people want to know their future. They want to know these kind of not mundane, but yeah. to me, I feel like you're getting this wise, wise counsel. If you could talk to whoever in history, um, somebody wise, what would you ask them? So uh, when people ask typical questions, I would feel like that that's not what they're communicating with you. It's more your life purpose, why you're here, um, uh, knowing that you're surrounded by support, those kinds of things. Okay. So, so it, it kind of took a little while, but I feel like it's very natural now. Yeah. It's not a separate. Well, that's a really important distinction. And uh, it's really interesting to hear. So you did channel readings for a little bit and the mm -hmm. whole greetings earthlings thing. And that's where people really, it's almost <laughs> mediumship where people, they, they uh, step out of themselves and allow something completely different to come through them. So, so you're saying that's not what you do. And, and have you ever done that or only briefly? Okay. So the greetings earthling is the only thing I found on channeling, like online right. back then, it would always be kind of this removed, almost like an ET kind of greetings earthling talking about the earth. And I would think that's not what I do. That doesn't feel like what I do. Right. Mine would feel very personal, but I would say it's almost like meeting Jesus and Santa Claus at the same time. These unbelievable, loving, firm, um, wise souls that are talking to you or energy that's talking to you. Was so it didn't feel. 
So was there a specific one? I mean, so famously, you know, there's things like Seth Speaks. And so that's where Jane Roberts is a person, but she would mm-hmm. then channel a completely different entity. And it would be like, Jane's not here, Seth's talking now. So that's one version of channeling. So it sounds like, uh, and so when you're uh, getting information, is it from something specific, like a, like a one being, like a Seth who would come through and uh, and do it, or or is it from a general source of wisdom that can be a number of things that whatever is needed at the time? Exactly that it's whatever's needed at the time, and I know even that we we do separate. We want to have a picture of somebody. We want to know an identity. So in the beginning, I didn't know who Raphael was. I thought it was an artist. He was an artist. So okay. when I would write things, it would be Raphael. And then I met someone that talked about angels and archangels, and I thought, right. I think that's what I'm doing. Uh, spirit guides, other people's guides, uh, my own guides. I work with, uh, I have nine very um, tall beings of light um, and they've come through as the eternal beings of light. So that's my kind of posse that I work with. However, I channel a lot. uh, um, I feel like I have a bouncer that allows energy to come in if it's necessary and it's for the person's higher growth. Um, but I, I don't feel I'm not a medium where um, anybody can come in and I get information. I tend to get nothing. So I don't even call myself a medium. If it is a past loved one and there's something that needs to be said for them, again, for their spiritual growth, that can come through um, once in a while. But it usually is from their guides or I feel like the two guides get together and have a conversation. And yeah. that's what we're doing. What does this person need right now? Uh, and I feel comfortable with that. I do feel comfortable with that. So it's not one entity that I that I say this is the entity that that speaks wisdom. Right. Yeah. I think that's a useful distinction. And I and I think that's the kind of thing you're more likely to hear from someone like us, a hypnotherapist, a past life regression therapist. So I'm exactly the same. So I wouldn't uh, even I, I don't use the word channeling, but I do feel we definitely tap into a sub and super conscious wisdom. We say in hypnosis, if you want someone to go on hypnosis, go there first. So I'll go and do a hypnotic state myself, and I want you to access yeah. your superconscious wisdom. So in session, I'll feel that I'm accessing my superconscious wisdom as well, but I don't feel the need to personify it, call out to an individual, give them a name, because then you, that's yeah. kind of another version of self. I think there's a there's an ultimate universal wisdom you can tap into, and I'll have exactly the same thing. How did you know that? I think just just wisdom is enough in its own you know, yeah. and to, to, as yeah. something to be able to tune into. And because that's, we want to get the higher wisdom out of our clients. And that's part of the spiritual practice of giving sessions to people as you have these sort of magical moments where you start to feel, you know, maybe I'm a bit psychic because you're really tapping into and I, and you can, if you can lean into that and get into channeling on the psychic side, but I think a lot of hypnotherapists or past life regression people notice that they are tuning into those kind of things, but may never give it that kind of terminology but the, the terminology and names you do give are interesting and like Raphael and which is an, arch, an archangel and Michael is another one so I wouldn't even say I've got angels or guides that I uh, or channels that I connect with but I'm like oh well actually you know Michael comes through all the time and when I was living in <laughs> Bangalore Sai Baba would come through a lot you know to for, for sessions you mentioned about being a skeptical spiritualist and i'm also okay so you're you said you're this and that angels or guides then i'm like okay so and i put your money where your mouth is uh there's a therapeutic resolution we're doing with this person what i what do you say to them then they'll go ahead and read the textbook i'm about to say it and then they'll say it for for me you know so then it becomes the client saying it and it's they're using their words 
And so we're eliciting their inner wisdom from them, their inner wisdom. And the other fascinating thing is you interview them pre-session and, you know, they are stumbling around, they're doing their best, but, you know, honestly, you know, not too wise. And then you just ask them the questions and they come up with mind-blowingly wise things. Unbelievable. And I love that. And that's why I like, I like the idea when I was saying I don't like to do readings. I think it's so important for the person to experience it and to have it come through them and they hear their own words. Because you could go to 10 psychics. We all know people that go to mediums and psychics all the time and they're looking for that answer that, that you know, if they don't get it there, they're going here. It's not helping in your spiritual growth. If you're serious about really growing and, and learning more about yourself that way, then it needs to come from you. And to have someone like you or I, they feel safe. They feel that you're professional, that you know what you're doing, and they can do that in that space. They feel very comfortable and safe in that space. Yeah. And yeah, really giving them every chance to say it themselves is important, not tripping out on I'm the wise one who tell you. I think we're really exactly. about where we're getting the wisdom out of you and let, and blow me away with what you can do. And I'll give them every mm -hmm. chance to do that. And I, I believe in the resources and the wisdom they have. And I'm not that interested in, you know, any in myself, you know, and, uh, but as a facilitator, it's amazing. Uh, yes. And as a channel, again, I, I kind of, somebody had told me I was a channel. So I, I just said, okay. And, um, but I never, what I read about other channels, I thought, but that's not me. And that's not what, how I feel like it works. I'm fully present. I yeah. feel like I step aside a little bit, but the words that do come out, Barbara's going, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> the words are coming out. This is wonderful. Yeah. But I do, they kind of still fade away like wisps of smoke. I'm fully present at that time. But afterwards, um, I'll have a discussion with the person and, and they'll ask me more questions and I'll be able to answer them or they'll bring something up and I'll say, oh, I forgot I said that. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you're fully, fully present. And everything you're saying really is in alignment with the principles of past life regression therapy, between lives regression therapy. So in past lives and between lives, we've got spirit guides. We've got a soul group of people that we incarnated with. And then there's a soul mm -hmm. council that can guide us and that guides us as an individual and as a therapist. And, and so we can take a client into that scene where they can meet their soul uh, counsel. And for you to have wise beings as well that can assist in the session itself. So it's all happening for the purposes of therapeutic resolutions of people's issues as well, isn't it? Oh, yes. I, I don't do as much um, life between lives. The last one I did um, do was a person who did past life regression with me and said, I've heard about this. She had the book but wisely said, I'm not going to read the book and yeah. everything. I love how she went into the li a circular library and her guide handed her a big book and all of the things that happen in these sessions, but she had no idea. She didn't read about it first, which is great because then when you read, you say oh, that happened, that's exactly how it happened with me. And it becomes very real. Oh, I love that. And that's in reading this, the, the wisdom traditions of the world and but not too much so that when you do read it you're like oh i knew that already <laughs> even though i hadn't read that part in my early days i'd have clients come in for past life regressions and i was a little bit like well they've just read brian weiss's books and now they're sort of just you know they know the formula they know the general style and they're just sort of going along with that and when i met people who who like knew nothing you know talk about like not not wisdom not into any of the stuff uh and really uh, wonder why they've been coming for sessions and they'll come up with exactly the same things out of nowhere yeah
And yeah. so the the you know there's still only anecdotal evidence, but it's amazing to see people with no background whatsoever just go word for word, have textbook sessions according to what books say it should be, and then you see wow, and that that the level of credibility that it that it gave me in my early days, you know that was that was important and just fascinating to see. I like the fact that I didn't know a lot. I had read books on different things, but when all this started happening to me. I didn't know what it was. So I had yeah. to kind of go backwards and and figure it out. And even now uh, in meditations, um, when I would get a word and I get kind of like, it comes across like this, the word, and I, I'm spelling it out the first time. And I, I remember saying, that's not a word. And it was Samadhi. Yeah. Right. And I was in this, this state of being where there's no time, no place, no thing. And I saw that. And I said, well, I'm going to Google it. And when I Googled it, I was shocked because I had never heard it before in my life. So a, a little while ago, I wanted to know a guy that I was working with now that I'm still working with. And I got it a word and I said, that's not a word. And yeah. of course I Googled it. And uh, not only is it a word, but it was a person, a poet that lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s, um, India. Yeah, and what? so Ghalib, G-H-A-L-I-B. And I Googled it and found this information and went, of course, he's my guide. Because everything I read about him, he had a sense of humor. He liked to drink wine. He was he was just all these things. And I thought, okay, wow, that is not only is it a word, but now I have to believe it. So it's kind of, I find that more refreshing and more um, validating, I guess, because you don't feel like, well, maybe I had these preconceived ideas and I'm trying to will it into happening or wish it into happening. Exactly. My my example to that would be uh, Kundalini awakening, which is I had experiences myself uh, and my girlfriend at the time had uh, really out of the box experiences that uh, so I was researching what on earth is this, you know, and I, and I was just reading through the, the book. So, oh, okay, that explains a lot. I know it inside out and, and I get it. There can be that thing of uh, wanting it or or aspiring towards it. I think uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a part of the, that thing where, you know, allowing things to happen. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's used, and I think a lot of those books are really uh, useful for after the fact. <laughs> exactly. To, and we all know people. Yeah. yeah. So I think a part of people on the spiritual awakening path, uh, one thing I think it's quite useful to have a uh, patience and persistence and do the work. So, you know, again, while we're telling these stories, uh, it's a little bit like, oh, I want to have an experience like that. But notice, you know, maybe if you're in your twenties, you know, these things happen, uh, they take time a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and there's that metaphor of, you know, really sweep the temple steps before going in and expecting the spiritual yes. fireworks. Right. And the other part is you can have spiritual fireworks early on, but then be grasping and chasing them ever afterwards, uh, as exactly. opposed to integrating it and just keep again doing a bit more of just the day-to-day -day work. What yeah. do you think about that for people into spiritual awakening? Oh, I think because even looking back as I'm discussing my spiritual awakening, I think, oh, wow, I haven't had that since. Like I don't have that every day and I, I kind of miss it, but it was this, it was a door that opened and I went through it and that was the opening of the door. And um, I have so many different experiences that I look back now and we don't have enough time to talk about them where I think, wow, but it's how, again, when you, you just live with it now and you integrate it. And I've had people when I've told them my story that will say, well, why can't I have that? And what's wrong with me that I'm not having that? Everybody is different and you're on a different path. Yeah. My path, I literally think that um, you talked about your other life where you put it off, you kept putting it off. 
Yep. In this life, I believe I did the same thing. And it literally was a kick in the pants. Like it was, come on, you're going to have, you're, we're going to hit you with something you can't deny and you can't ignore. And I think that was my, that's my journey. Well, I had exactly the same thing. And I, I, it was undeniable that did change my life past, but the trap was, I also, you know, got the, the fireworks, the, the amazing story. This will be a great YouTube video kind of a thing. But then, <laughs> and, and I had the bliss afterwards. And then it fades away. I know. And so like a junkie, I'm like, well, I'm <laughs> going to hang around this meditation center. I can't leave Nepal. That's yes. the source of my, the good stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And so then I'd meditate and I'd be like, you know what? You're chasing the, the dragon. You're just trying to get another bliss experience, another magical fireworks, super interesting thing. No, go out there and just, and do work. Put up a website, get some training, follow the rules, you know, do your yama niyama, your, your disciplines, don't, you know, don't, uh, it's fascinating to take all sorts of hallucinogenics and stuff. Just put in the work. Don't, don't chase anything that's going to, you know, give you more highs because it's yeah. still ups and There's downs. There's no but, shortcut to, to and it. You, there really isn't. Yeah. And you're judging that, that spiritual experience is good. And the humdrum that, you know, getting business done, earthly grounded stuff is bad or not as good as that. Yeah. Whereas where there's no, not, nothing's higher or lower. Even the high spiritual experiences are not higher than just taking the steps forward to, to get the work done, you know? And so it's, you know, you have the experience, but then chop wood, carry water afterwards, keep on going. I think that's one. Exactly. So that, that'd be one message for me, for people having spiritual awakenings and then noticing maybe I'm kind of getting stuck in that a little bit, but what do I do afterwards? Uh, you know, it's either, this is crazy. I don't know what to do. You know, Bob and I understand, but once I have integrated it, you know, do I keep chasing it? And that may be okay to do that. Maybe it would have been good if I'd sat in the monastery for another 20 years, could have been a good path, but it wasn't for me. But what I find is once you have those kind of experiences, going into this kind of holistic healing is a really good way of integrating it uh, and, and, and taking it forward the next steps. And just trying to hit the button and have the same thing that you had in the past again may not be the way. So what do you think? What, what, what would you say to people who have spiritual awakening experiences and, uh, and, uh, and then you know, how they continue on with their life and that for the next five, 10 years, 15 years that we've, you know, we've, we've, we've done since those kind of things. Yeah. I think it's, um, there's a great quote, uh, Edgar Casey. um, uh, there's a book, how to channel your higher self. And there's different chapters that I love little, little short chapters about his readings. And he talks about past lives yep. and he, like you said, people just want to explore. He said, past life shouldn't be about, I was Bob that lived under a tree. It should be, what am I learning? What do I need to learn? And the, the quote is something like, um, take the information you've been given and do something with it. So in other words, instead of, I just keep wanting more and more and more. Yeah. Well, you had that experience. Okay. What are you going to do with it now? And however that, however that is, it could be just in your everyday life. I know that when I go to the grocery store, I have kindness and I smile and uh, to, with everyone, like, you know, I like to start a little conversation with an older woman or something. So I know that that's how that's kind of working through me is those little things. When I ask, how can I be of service? And they will put you there, meaning, you know, the wise people or the universe will put you in a position and it could be something very small, but that's using whatever that experience was in everyday life. So, but I know I look back and I have that nostalgia almost for like, oh, remember that magical night, but you can't keep, it's like going back to when you were the quarterback in high school, you can't keep trying to be the quarterback in high school, you yeah. know, when you're 60 years old, what are you doing now with your life? And there's wonderful things every day.
So it is, it's, you know, it's still chopping wood and carrying water. When I did a, the, my first channeling experience in front of a group of people, I had them at my home and yeah. there was a medium there working with me. And there was a woman who um, had, uh, she was in remission from cancer. She was not very spiritual. She was kind of gruff. She came with my sister and she was sitting there. We were all had our eyes closed. And I went over to her and I put, I could feel something, the, the energy coming through me. And the first thing I thought was Jesus. And I still was thinking, oh, that can't be right. That's, you know, it's probably not Jesus. But I just let myself feel what I wanted to do. And I went over and I put my, my hands on her one leg. And I knew that she was going to die. But it wasn't anything. It was just that knowledge of whatever it was that came through me, she needed. And afterwards, she opened her eyes and she said, I saw Jesus in a bubble. And he told me that I got cancer to help grow my soul. Talk about wise words. This yeah. woman was not that way, her personality. And everyone was crying. And all her friends assumed that meant she was going to be cured of cancer. She died six weeks later. She was trying a new kind of therapy. And do you know that when she died, she came to me and came through me and spoke to my sister. And when we talk about spirit attachments or being a medium, that's my ability because I know it's for somebody's higher growth. But I have to tell you, not being a medium every day, I, I could feel the energy and it's almost like overwhelming. Um, and I knew I had to talk to my sister. And I said, there's something I need to tell you. I don't know what's going on. And she came to my house and I blurted all this out. And she said, oh my gosh, that's Barb, the person who had died. So I believe that that synchronicity was she needed to come to my house. She needed to have that experience because then she could come through me and trust me to be able to deliver a message that was very important. Okay. And what that message of transcendental kind of wisdom was it? The first thing that she said to my sister was, do not fear death. Yeah. Well, that, sorry, that, <laughs> that just comes back to that point about not judging anything as good or bad. And so when, exactly. the, when the, the other group members got that message, they were like, oh, that's good. That means a good thing happened and she'll keep living, which yes. is a human interpretation of good or bad. And her interpretation is it's good that I got cancer because it helped my soul expand. Mm -hmm. And that's not by staying in the body that's older and older with cancer. Yeah. Your soul expands by leaving the body. And so, but, and therefore dying is not bad. We're judging that as bad implicitly. Yes. The fear of death is simply a judgment that death's not as bad or wrong. Yes. And that judgment is just simply incorrect. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I, the, the feeling, because again, I, I feel that, that whatever, uh, the spirit. So it was completely calm. It was beautiful. Yeah. And when, when someone said, and then the medium said, well, Jesus was here in this room. I saw him. Yeah. So Again, having that, um, everyone assumes, well, Jesus heals, but nobody lives forever. So the healing was in her experience and well, what that, she experienced to grow well, her soul. Is that, that spiritual awakening is understanding what the self is. And so that assumes that Jesus heals the physical body. And if he doesn't, he hasn't healed. But that's also a, a very limited perspective. Jesus heals the soul. exactly. And she left the physical body, met Jesus, met the disembodied energy in Christ consciousness, and was healed by that. She got her healing. Mm -hmm. No, just, just when, not in the when, body. Uh, she got a better healing. You know? the, the, the reason why she needed to speak to my sister when she said, through me, do not fear death, my sister broke down and cried and said, I think about death every single day and I'm terrified, but I've never told a soul. 
So that message, it was all for the sister. Yes. So, and and her personality came through. So that was a validation for my sister. And it was so funny because she was talking. She said, it's so beautiful. You yeah. can't even imagine how beautiful it is. And then she said she was with someone else who had passed and dropped an F-bomb. So my sister knew it was her. And she burst into uh, laughter and said, that's her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even as I'm saying, I'm going, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm glad mm. I didn't hold back. And then she left. And I was back to being Barbara again. But before that, the energy was so strong around me that I could barely walk. That's how strong it was. And was that a one and done? That was it? It was just a a quick, specific message for a healing therapeutic purpose. And that's it. You're not channeling her anymore. Exactly. Perfect. And that's what happens. You know, I've been told that when I channel, they clean up. They did this. They clean up afterwards. It's in and it's done and it's (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, we're talking about clinging on a little bit as well. And so, you know, you can cling on to your spiritual awakening experiences, but you can also cling on to your mediumship ability, or I'm special now, I can do this, you know, uh, trick, I've got the city, in India, we call it a city, or a a special psychic ability. Uh, Or, you know, your the sister could say, Oh, she's cute. If she were to say, you know, I want to got to come back every weekend to talk to my uh, sister. Well, then you haven't, you know, then you're, you're still clinging on. So it's that there's a real therapeutic resolution there and getting the message and then moving on with your life. Like we say, so it really applies in mediumship and, uh, and that resolution. So then, you know, it was really resolved. Right. Take what's been given, like uh, Edgar Cayce say, take what's been given and move on. Right. And 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 not keep looking for the next, the next, the next. It's what am I going to do with this? And maybe it's really thinking about it every day, reflecting on that every day. But, you know, the way that you can honor the memory of your sister is not by, you know, getting her in every weekend for a chat. It's by, you know, getting mm-hmm. on with your life and like not living in fear means that you can live in clarity. So she's got that great clarity about what, it's not that she got rid of her fear, she just became more clear. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fear exactly. is a byproduct of that. And then and then she can go on and do the things that she needs to do freer from that. You'd mentioned as well, the, the spirit releasement kind of aspect to that. And a past life therapist may find out that, oh, I'm a little bit psychic in sessions. And oh, I'm not, not talking to councils or angels, or Archangel Michael. And we might, then we may find out, well, what other spirits are here? But there's an earthbound entity that comes, but then very quickly goes. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's not a spirit attachment, an earthbound uh, spirit. In fact, they're not earthbound if they come in and a week or two after dying. Have you had experiences where you found uh, spirits that are earthbound, that they then attach to somebody for you know weeks, months, years after their passing, yeah. and then you have to move them on? Have you experienced that kind of thing in your practice? I've experienced both. I've experienced it with my own self, and um, I've also experienced it with people coming to me. It's interesting. They'll come for either past life regression or hypnotherapy, and I do believe it's their their higher self bringing them to me because they don't even know there's an attachment and it comes up kind of an organic way. And it's to me, I've never had a real tough one. Um, But, uh, and maybe, maybe because I feel comfortable with that, my own attachment. And let me tell you, having a spirit attachment does not feel good at all. Um, I did my sister-in-law after her mother passed, asked me for a reading. And I said, okay. And her mother came through and then I got this other name and it was her grandmother. Apparently her grandmother had been earthbound for many years, refused to go. She had uh, people from spirit that came and she said, I don't know them. I'm not going with them. She was a very tough woman, but because I had this reading and she then realized, okay, I'm going to attach to her because I kind of called her in, I guess, not even realizing it. 
And for the next, it was probably almost two weeks or maybe at least a week. It was, it was really awful. It feels like um, anxiety. It feels like you're not always in your body. You feel kind of, uh, you know, like out there. Um, I felt nauseous, didn't know what it was, but thank goodness had many people around me who all put the pieces together of the puzzle and another medium who was able to talk to her. She didn't know she was dead. She didn't, she looked down and she had no body. She had gone to her old house. The house had been condemned and she was just wandering around and kind of like not real happy. So she clinged on to me. And, um, and I, this is why I think this is so important. I love that you're doing a lot of spirit releasement. If I was not in this world of the spiritual world that we know that we're familiar with, I would have gone to every doctor, every therapist would probably be on a lot of medication and still not understood or been able to resolve what it really was. But um, my own brother, who's not a medium, but had a dream about it. I mean, we're talking, all these forces were working with me and we understood it was her. I actually one day thought, well, let me do this. I, I'll get rid of her. <laughs> I went into my back office and this is a great story because again, looking for the validation, I want to know that this is real, that this happened. I live in a rancher. My husband was working for the NFL. He's retired. So I'm saying that only because it's an unusual word that would come up in a, uh, a phone conversation with work. I went in, I sat down and I uh, brought in Archangel Michael and I said, you need, she wasn't going willingly. And I said, you need to go. And I had this visual in my mind of literally two angels had her under her arms like this and were carrying her away. And at that moment I felt, oh my gosh, I'm back. I feel so much better. I'm myself again. And I remembered to ask for a sign. And as I was opening the window kind of for air, my husband was on his cell phone. He was walking by and I said to myself in my mind, I want to hear the word peace, either a peace sign, the word peace or something in the next hour, because I need to know that that really happened. And at that moment, he walked by and said in the middle of a conversation, yeah, that guy's really at peace with himself and kept walking. And I went, thank you. That was very quick. And that was my experience having an attached spirit to myself. So I know what it feels like. And I was happy that I was able to do it and right. literally bringing in angels and saying, you've got to go. You yeah. can't be here. She was an earthbound spirit, but this is the distinction I'd make between someone who died very recently within a couple of weeks and someone who's been there for years. So at that time, you were also doing channeling or a little bit of medium stuff with that one. Is that just a recap? Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, and so she came in for a visit. She came in yeah. to the but two then, of them. But then she stuck around. So this is one thing she I will say around. to people who do channeling <laughs> or mediumship work. And I actually, you know, so I teach spirit releasement uh, therapy. I've got courses uh, online and I do it uh, as, as a mentoring thing as well. And a lot of, the, in fact, most of the students or people that take it are mediums, healers, therapists, cha uh, doing channeling in one way or another. Mm. If you work with earthbounds enough, sooner or later, they'll think it's a good idea to hang on to you. And then you probably want to know how to deal with them. And there are a lot of ways you can deal with it. A lot of times they will go pretty easily, but sometimes they need a little bit of uh, conversation and uh, persuasion, but also really enlightening. And so I know you can have angels come and take them away. Uh, that's also not going to work with every type of being, particularly dark force entities or some earthbounds. There's some extra steps that, that, that I teach that are useful. And particularly, you know, once again, it's also not just telling them, you know, you're in the wrong, you need to go, we're going to drag you out. Part of it can be, let me ask some questions. You know, when did you pass away? 
who came and got you if you're to look up and see your spirit guide and so then they can get in touch with their spirit guide or your soul group members your loved ones so your sister your mother your aunt and 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 what do they say to you and then they'll say, hey, you need to come. And and, yeah. so, and so when they hear it from them, they're like, oh, it's her idea to leave. And that's another thing as well. You know, I want confirmation that these ones have taken her away. Earthbounds can be a bit tricky and they can pretend to go and then sort of hide mm-hmm. and then sneak back a little bit. And so, yeah. so that's a really useful experience. And it's that difference between somebody who's just passing by for a short time. So that's one of the yeah. consequences. If you think, oh, I had this amazing experience and I talked to an earthbound you know, the week after she passed, and I think I'll talk to her again, you know, a month later, uh, then you, then the nausea that I don't want this anymore can kick in. And that's where yeah. spirit releasement can be pretty helpful. When did you read or find the book of William Baldwin, Spirit Releasement Therapy? <laughs> so it was recommended in one of my trainings before that, I believe, years ago. Yeah. And I have, a, it's funny because I ordered it, I opened it up, I started reading it. And when it got to the part about demons, I literally threw it across the room. I said, no, I'm not going there. I don't want any parts of this. About a year later, I picked it up and read it again. And um, the first time I encountered an attached spirit, and it was an attached past life spirit entity, which is interesting. I just remembered his book. And so I asked a lot of questions. So I did remember that. The interesting thing about that book, Mark, is I can't find it. It disappears and then reappears. I don't know where it is. I looked for it for this session mm. for our um for our conversation. And I said, oh no, it'll turn up. It disappears and turns up. <laughs> I don't know where it goes. But I think when I need to be reminded, and that's why I took your course, I had already read the book. I had already done some spirit releasement, kind of just by the seat of my pants. Yeah. And then when I saw your course, I thought, I think I need to, I need to be refreshed. And of course it came up probably a week or two later, something came up that I needed to to know about. So yeah. when I think I need to be refreshed, that's when the book comes comes up again. It reappears. Yeah, it's a big old thick book. So you're doing well to, to lose it or for it to disappear and reappear. But <laughs> and yes. it's not in print anymore. You can't find the original one anymore in print. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah. And so so that's that part. And so there can be spirit release has got a number of phases. Sometimes it's, you know, I noticed, you know, I was channeling and I noticed something's hung around and I have a little quick chat within it and it leaves. And that's also an interesting thing about that Baldwin's book is it has so much past life aggression in it. Mm-hmm. And so for people that are mediums or channelers, just learning SRT from scratch, I think it's really helpful to be a past life aggression therapist. In fact, I you know people have to really, uh, in fact, I don't think I train people if they don't know how to do past life aggression as well. Because you often have to do past life regression on the entities. What we do is we get into hypnosis and we, and as you said, we ask a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. And those questions are often regressing them to all of the reasons why they're stuck and have been deceived or have uh, are clinging on to something from the past. And so it's really just, you know, cluing them into reality and, and getting them to update it. Hence, they decide to leave themselves. And so was there anything that as you as you're going through those kind of discussions, that uh, and you know through my course as well you know such a thick book uh, by Baldwin mm-hmm. uh, and so I wanted to have something there that had was very practical has a lot of scripts in it and is sort of a step by step way of how to take people through a three session program of spirit releasement sessions and so yeah can you is that something have you done you said also I haven't had particularly complicated ones so spirit releasement can be five minutes it can be fifty minutes or it can be three sessions and I tend to teach that you know that complex spirit releasement therapy so have you had that kind of range have you had more complex ones or you spent a whole session doing it 
I have not had that. I haven't had the real complex ones. I've had actually in one of my past life trainings, this is interesting, and I always believe in that synchronicity, um, a, a woman, a young woman, wonderful young woman at the very last minute came with a big envelope of cash and said, I need to take this training. It started that Monday. Uh, she was a medium, did Reiki, did a lot of energy work. I had put some books out thinking when people have a break, and one of them was Edith Fiore's The Quiet Undead. Yeah. It's a classic, very yeah. classic. I think every therapist should read that book or have that book available because she comes from a therapist point of view with a psychiatrist. Yep. And she picked it up and she said, can I take this with me? And I said, sure. She stayed up all night reading it. She came back the next morning before anyone else, all the, any of the other students were there and said, I think I have an attachment. And she's, and I said, okay. And she said, it's my sister. So literally I think I did it before the other students even came in or as they were coming in, I'm trying to remember, but it was 15 minutes. Um, it was obviously a loved one. So it wasn't someone that was um, that didn't want to leave or that was clinging on. Yeah. But um, I just took her back to remembering her sister was dying in the hospital and she begged her to stay. Don't yeah. leave me. You've got to be strong. Don't leave me. And yeah. her sister was on a feeding tube, couldn't eat. And this woman, this medium said, I've gained like 40 pounds in the past couple of months because her sister couldn't eat and was now eating. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting, but it was very loving. And um, I really believe that she came to the training so she could have that experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so even like people can have attachments that don't have nausea. There are so many indicators. I hesitate to give people a list of indicators because people yeah. can then uh, uh, self-diagnose, mm -hmm. uh, you know, inappropriately. So if you're not sure if you've got an attachment or not, then I'd say maybe you don't, but let's wait until you've got real evidence that you do. Nausea, like if you don't have that, it doesn't mean you don't have it. You can have an attachment and, and uh, have a whole bunch of symptoms that other people have or, or not. And so, so in that case, uh, people can have attachments, not know it and not really be suffering for it, but it may, and there also may be good intentions behind it. Uh, and, and it may like not be, that. and may not be giving you, you personally, the alive person nausea, but you are holding up the other one. So even, and this is mm -hmm. what people do when they misjudge death as being a bad thing. Uh, and then they want to cling on to that person. They do want to have that person there. And you may not be feeling any negative effects for yourself and um, weight gain though is one, which is not great. But what you are doing is holding back that person from their own next level of spiritual development of, you know, passing into the light, meeting, uh, you know, learning mm -hmm. their lessons, meeting spiritual healers like Jesus, letting that soul expansion, all of that go. And so a lot of people have positive intentions, uh, but it's still effectively clinging on. And we remember nothing really good or bad happens. Just a sequence of things needs to happen. And if you get stuck in the thing that gave you a good feeling, and eventually it'll turn into a bad feeling. So just, so don't get stuck or hung up on things. Let things continue on their way would be yeah. part of the message. And also right. when I teach my past life regression, I do not teach spirit releasement at the same time, but I want them to be aware. Signs that if someone is going into a past life, and this is how I, I just had to, like I said, kind of fly by the seat of my pants because I yeah. wasn't sure, but I remembered the book. And they're describing a past life and they're they're at this like kind of ball that's down south and people were wearing long dresses. And she said, but nobody's paying any attention to me. And yeah. I said, well, what do you look down at yourself? She said, my feet aren't touching the floor. And I got goosebumps and I thought, okay, 
it turns out it was a little girl who was attached to this woman who was having the past life regression that then could show us how she died. She was hit by a carriage, a horse and carriage ran, ran her over and she went back home to wait for the family and nobody could talk to her or hear her. So she kind of wandered around until my client, and this is many years later, was driving by with in a station wagon. She was a little girl and this client was a bright light, just a wonderful. And she said, oh, there's another little girl. I'm going to go be with her. She had been with her almost her whole life. Beautiful. And this woman suffered migraines. So that's another thing we're talking about the signs. I I would want to ask you what you found the most, not popular, but but the the signs that seem to come through the most, the ones I've encountered are headaches, anxiety, and feeling a little bit of dissociation sometimes, um, or or, um, lethargy. They're very lethargic. They feel like they can't do things. They're kind of depressed. Yeah. I think there are two levels. There's a, a subtle form of spirit attachment uh, and a gross form of spirit attachment. So for me, the, the the signs that I see are people say, I've definitely got an attachment. I talk with it frequently. I Ooh. was doing <laughs> a lot of practices and they will know a ton of things about the occult or about, uh, about uh, channeling or about mediumship or about uh, Kundalini or uh, spiritual practices. And they will have be often pretty advanced and have done a lot of spiritually orientated things but just go on that little step over the line where this is really cool, interesting, fascinating to how do I make it stop? You know, it's that whole thing. It's so interesting. I would like Kundalini. I really want to make it start. And then it sort of blows your head off and you're like, well, what do I do now? And yeah. so, so I'm yeah. seeing those really, the, 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 really, the complex full blown ones. So like, so for me, like if that's why I said, if you're not sure if you've got SRT or not, what are the indicators? Well, the people that I deal with, they know, you know, they know they hear so, a voice. Well, it, it, and a... it, it, it's re- it's really clear. And so I just want to come back to that part where if you're not quite sure, then, you know, maybe don't self-diagnose yourself or you're going to just sort of be patient or, you, you know, if you feel, I'm not sure if I do or not, let me get in touch with someone like Barbara, let me do a hypnotherapy session. I might mention, you know, that as well. And if that comes up. And so I think it's really important here is that even if like Barbara threw, threw the book away when she got to the, the, the demon part <laughs> and she didn't want a part of it. But I think it's great that she read the book. And that she's able to do, you know, some a five minute thing, a quick thing here or there. But the, the key thing for me is for therapists to read that book. It's kind of like an insurance, which is it may not happen. Maybe I don't want to deal with it. But mm-hmm. if it does, A, I'm not going to get confused and freaked out when it happens. Yes. I, w- I will. The first thing is knowing that it's possible, knowing that it's not. Oh, the, oh, then you that whole thing about thinking that you're completely unique in the universe and this has never happened to anybody else. And you can't possibly share it and no one else can possibly help you because that's not how it is. This is more common than you'd think. And if it does happen, I think being aware, being aware of what it is and not freaking out. For me, the worst case scenario is a therapist gets freaked out by this and and runs out of the room or becomes unresourceful and can't help their client. And now their client is not being served. So I think just staying calm when things get funky, if you only get one thing from a book, I've read so many books thinking I just want one thing. And if you get that one thing, it's so valuable. If that one thing is you stay calm, or you deal with it in a minute, which puts it back in its box, and then that may be all they needed at that time, or that you're able to refer it to somebody who doesn't mind you know, getting getting into the weeds with it, uh, yeah. is, is useful. So there are three phases. One, not freaking out. Two, being able to do the simple releasement. Or three, mm-hmm. Doing enough of that that you start to get comfortable with it. After a year or two, you start getting into the complex releasement or do refer it away. 
And so, and also like, again, if you have to ask, you know, what are the indicators? You haven't got intake forms. You should read intake forms and go, holy S, you know? Yes. And so yes. that, that's how you know as well. You know, the intake forms that I get are, you know, 5,000 words of hair raising stuff. And then, you know, you're not wondering, <laughs> you're not, you're not, there's no wondering involved. Wow. Well, I'm not at that level, but I'm glad you are because I'm, I'm, I'll say sometimes, I don't know if that work is for me, but I'm so glad other people are doing this work because you're drawn to it and you're good at it. And, and maybe there's a reason why mine are, let's just say, um, kind of lighter or not as complex um, because maybe I wouldn't handle it in a way that I wish I would, or maybe there is a part of me, who knows, there'd be a little fear. I feel like I don't have the fear, but I don't know. Um, I actually picked up a lovely um, old British man when I went to London for the first time. And when I came home, I heard a little voice in my head and it had, had a lovely accent. He was attracted to my red hair. I had stayed in a uh, an old hotel that was a hospital during the war. And the people that worked there said it was filled with a lot of entities and spirits. And I had heard one at night. And I just asked him very politely to leave. And he said, oh, sorry. And he was gone. Right, <laughs> right. Said, okay. So I just thought, hmm. But he said, oh, I love your your lovely red hair. And he he liked my demeanor. And I guess he just kind of figured, let me stay with her for a little while. But I didn't do the right. I didn't. I did it so quickly because I was taken off guard. I was going into the hot tub yeah. and having a man with you <laughs> as you're going into a body of water. But it was very simple. And I said, oh, you know, you need to leave. And he said, oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. He was very respectful. Well, I mean, that can even be a little step by step. You become more familiar with it, more comfortable and confident with it. And, you know, maybe if needed, you know, the next steps could happen. What I find about the work that we do to so say, I want to learn past life progression, I start learning hypnosis. And so we're putting them in a hypnotic state. And so it's not I am wise, it's I'm wise enough to know there is wisdom and you are wise. You know, you could perhaps tell them what they need to know, but eliciting it and getting it from them and their words through their own narrative stories that become like parables. So that part, you know, mm -hmm. biblical old fashioned stuff. I find past life regression is just really like so many biblical parables one after the other. And part of my wisdom is to come in and say, do you know how wise that was? Do you see the metaphors and symbolism in that story mm -hmm. and what it's the spiritual lessons that it's conveying? And then they may not say so that's where we need to be wise enough to be able to point that out, but they have to go, aha, you're right. I can see it. Yes. And, and, and that's we, the we dance can... between us. Yeah. And I like to say too, that um, when it's necessary for the uh, analytical mind to make sense of it, because that's how, and I'll say, I don't know how all of a sudden you don't have migraines anymore, or you don't yeah. have this phobia anymore, because the logical mind then makes sense of it and says, oh, that happened long time ago in another life. I don't need to worry about that in this life. It's in the past. I no longer need to worry about that. And so it goes through that lot. You have to go through that process too, of being able to logically say, okay, no wonder why I feel this way. Okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so that's right. And so in the session itself, we probably would have done something like breaking the bonds of time where we make that explicit. And you're right. And so the conscious mind, uh, uh, it's always going to struggle to understand exactly what happened and why it works. So that's what I'd say to people at the end of the sessions as well. It's like, we don't have to understand completely, you know, every aspect of karma or exactly how, how this works, but that it does, that it works. Yeah. And, and everything that you've experienced is what I see in other people. And you can look forward to integrating this in a, in a helpful way. And the, the great thing then is uh, that at 
it's all about enabling them to be more present in the moment. And so that's what you're saying. Past life regression. Why do I have to go back? And I've got enough problems in this life. Why do I have to bring up ones from the <laughs> other life? But the only reason to go into the past is so that we don't cling on to it. And that's exactly what we're doing. We cling on to our spiritual awakening. We and we we cling on to the loved one that we don't want to let go. But let them and then we cling on to our past life traumas or whatever events. Right. But let it all go. Just be completely present here and now. And, and so this judgment that you know it's better to be or that that's bad or it's going to repeat all of that stuff just really letting all of that go and and ultimately that's uh you know and part of a spiritual awakening as well is just really being uh, present in this moment which is less dramatic than all of our cool stories that we can tell but that's what it comes <laughs> down to what do you think oh i love it. brian wise still says i don't know how it works but yeah. it does right it does yeah, so great to talk to you, Bob. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We are out of time. I think we could talk for a lot longer, but for people that want to know about past life stories, go to Bob's YouTube channel. She's got a lot of past life uh, case study type stories. Very interesting. And I think it'd be great if we could come back. And since we're both past life regression therapy trainers, so I would love to invite you back onto the podcast to talk about teaching hypnotherapy and past life regression. So do you be, do you be able to do that? Oh, I would love to, because there's not a lot of us. There really isn't. It's a niche and you have to love it and have the, the passion for it. And um, and you're putting people out in the world that are doing really important work too. So that'd be great to talk about next time. Uh, but for now, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I really look forward to coming back and having these conversations. I'm excited. Thank you. Thanks for listening or watching. To find out more about my guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy, or regression to this life, past lives, between lives, or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Thanks so much for watching or listening, and see you next time.